Ah, uh, hey, hey. Thanks again for pressing play. And welcome once again to another edition of the Suns Jam Session podcast. It's been a couple weeks since we've had the show. Obviously, I've started a new job. Uh, if you are watching the show along live with us on YouTube, you can see this isn't my normal background behind us. This is a hotel room in Las Vegas, Nevada. Okay, so I'm on the road, but you know what? I'm still bringing the podcast and equipment because I'm dedicated to you, the Jamsters, into the Suns Jam Session podcast. I'm bringing in, as per usual, my partner in crime, Matthew Lissy, who is at home hey. and does have the normal background for those who are watching. If you're listening, it doesn't matter because you, you hear our voices. So uh, what's going on, Matthew? How's Phoenix? Yeah. Oh, it's great. Um, You know, I was going to say, are you a prostitute now? You're just you're in Vegas. You're in a hotel room. Nothing else, not even what you're doing for a job. It's just, you know, I'm putting two and two together. That's what I'm thinking. Uh, but Phoenix is great. How's Vegas, man? Yeah, you know, I, uh, I quit my job at the hotel, and now I'm hooking. I'm up here in Vegas yeah. just hooking. You know? <laughs> you gotta, Sorry to start off the pod so, so nasty do, and dirty. You got to do what you got to do. Yeah, you no, got to uh, do Vegas is is great. So here's what's interesting about coming up to Las Vegas is this is the second week I've done it. I came home for the weekend. We watched football. Matthew was like half dead the whole time because he was hung over because it was the ASU game the night before. Uh, So I'm I'm dealing with rental cars and rental cars when you when you get them in Las Vegas they all reek of the herb. You know that you open up the car they're like oh how's everything look are there any dents and you're like no that's all fine but like somebody was like in here five minutes ago just smashing that vape pen. You know, good, bad, or indifferent. You're just like, okay, so now I'm going to smell like it going to my job. You know, I'm driving in there, and I just, yeah. you know, th- thankfully I'm working in a in a community where uh, it's an independent living community, and their their sense of smell isn't as keen as maybe somebody my age. Uh, the other thing I noticed in Vegas is everybody, not everybody, but the you know the drivers on the highway, the the 215 that goes right through Vegas here. They don't go from like lane to lane. They go lane to over three lanes. Like four times a day, I'm driving on the freeway, going between two properties, and I'm, I'm just seeing people behind me. Just like, <laughs> boom, boom. I'm like, what the hell? Like everybody misses their exit or something in Vegas. I don't know. Just okay. Well, I mean, I, the the diet there is basically apple juice and cocaine. So I mean, <laughs> those two to get you through the day. You got you're gonna forget some stuff. You're gonna yeah. forget what checks that you gotta hit. So. Yeah, you're going shit, and then you just go for it. You know, it's like I feel like yeah. I'm watching a movie or something while I'm here because mm-hmm. I just see these guys, you know, cars flying behind me like it's Transformers, and Shia LaBeouf <laughs> is looking for uh, uh, Optimus Prime and Megan Fox all at the same time. So sorry, sorry, Jamsters, I digress. This is I haven't talked to Matthew since like Sunday. No, I know. Uh, well, I didn't really talk Sunday. I was sitting <laughs> yes. there. It was tough for me to talk. Like it hurt. <laughs> It hurt me so bad to try to talk. And that's why at my age, going to drink just like, what, eight beers the night before? <laughs> Won't do it, it again for a it while. It was great because like my brother was over as well and we're watching and we're yeah, all into it. Yeah, we're talking fancy. And every now and then, like you'd have an opinion on something and like three quarters of the way through your thought process, you literally just gave up on speaking. <laughs> You're like, oh my gosh, dude. I think that Alan Robinson for the Bears, if he was, <sighs> whatever, I'm just done. And you're like, <laughs> Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was bad. I felt, and I'm glad your brother was there because honestly, I was excited. Super. I didn't know I would feel that bad at Super Bowl week yeah. one of the NFL. Like we we get excited for that. Yes. I, I feel like I let you down, but your brother was there to pick up the pieces. I think, and thank God he was. Well, if if you want to come over again this weekend and try a redo, I will be home this weekend again. All right. Before I go to Reno next week. So. All right, man. So uh, again, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Suns Jam Session podcast. We actually reached out on Twitter. And just said, hey, ask us anything. So that's a good reminder to follow the pod on Twitter at Suns Jam. You can follow me at Darth Voida. You can follow Matthew at Matthew Lissy. And that's exactly what this show is going to be. It's going to be pulling up some questions that you have posed via uh, our Twitter um, request. And uh, if you're watching along live on YouTube, one, hit that thumbs up button. Two, hit the subscribe button. Three, hit the little bell notification. It is the off season. I'm traveling. Uh, our pods are a little more, more sporadic, less structured right now. You know, looking forward to the regular season starting because we'll get right back into our flow of going every game night. I will have the capacity to do that. And I know you will as well, Matthew. So we're looking forward oh, yeah. to that. But uh, if you're watching along live, go ahead. If you have any questions relative to the Suns or anything at all, I don't care. We will answer those questions on this edition of the Suns Jam Session. Podcast. Anything. Right now, Suns Talk 
it's cool, but it's not it's not the hot thing right now. Yeah. So any kind of question you have, we will answer. Apple juice and cocaine, baby. So on that note, uh, Matthew's going to be popping open a beer because I don't have one. Right, Matthew? Oh, I do you, not have a beer. You let us down again. Yeah. I've got a large uh, Diet Coke. Um, <laughs> Can you flick the straw? <laughs> flick, flick into the mic. There you go. Flick <laughs> it to the mic. And let's start off this edition. <laughs> Cheers, Suns fans. Cheers. <laughs> So it is Ask Us Anything. Again, follow the show at Suns Jam on Twitter. That is where we pose the question to ask us anything. Uh, but before we get into that, I do want to just, just talk about fandom. Okay? So for those of you who also listen to the Fanning the Flames podcast on the Bright Side of the Sun podcast network, our former home, uh, Dan Duarte has joined that podcast. And we he brought up fandom. On today's show, and and I'm excited because I actually had an opportunity to listen to it driving around Las Vegas today, going in between different uh, properties. Uh, I was I was like, all right, sweet, I can listen to you know some podcasts. It's like my life now. I thought about that. I was like, you know what? Back in the day, it used to be like music. Now it's like yeah. I'm just trying to absorb as many podcasts as possible. Properties, where yeah. <laughs> Okay. communities whatever, I don't you're doing know. Over there. whatever i'm doing up here in vegas one was apple juice one was cocaine and i had to go in between the two um but i was listening to it and and dan you called me out by name because you know he brought up a good point you know he's like he doesn't understand how a phoenix suns fan like myself can be a dodgers fan okay and because they they were talking you know justin and paul are both chargers fans uh, which is not obviously the arizona cardinals so the question just kind of came up of why and then they started discussing their childhood memories are, uh, about the Phoenix Suns and, and why they have that connection emotionally to the Phoenix Suns. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to respond to that. I'm going to break it down. Uh, I've had this conversation with Dan before, you know, after we've had a few beers and, you know, late night uh, Zoom calls back in the pandemic. Uh, but I'll break it down again exactly why I'm a Dodgers fan because on a Suns podcast, that's what everybody wants to hear. But I think it's important to talk about fandom. Uh, Matthew, I think you can kind of understand this because. You're not an Arizona Cardinals fan, even though you grew up in Arizona, are you? I'm not, but I am a Kyler Murray fan. I'm a fan of their team. I'm a fan of the Cardinals. I am. I, I root for them, all right? I, not before, because going to the games back in the day, Sun Devil Stadium, it was basically a lot of Cowboys fans and very little Cardinals fans, and they hated us, and we yes. hated them. I mean, they made it a rivalry. So, But I grew out of that phase, so I am a fan of the Cardinals now, but Cowboys are number one. Yeah, your primary. You showed up to my house on Sunday. You had that new Cowboys hat on. You had the Dak Prescott jersey on, and you had a nice hangover on your face looking like a new Cowboys <laughs> fan. So, so tell yeah. me this. Tell me, why are yeah. you a Cowboys fan? Okay, so growing up, my dad, actually, he's the one – that is probably shout out to my dad. If you're watching right now, I did not give you the heads up that tonight we're having a pod. Uh, he, he grew up a Cowboys fan. All right. He, they were winning in the nineties. All right. He didn't really have a team. So he grasped onto them. So maybe he's a bandwagoner a little bit, but he grasped onto them. He lived and died by the Cowboys, the Cardinals, nothing in the household. It was all, it was all Cowboys, man. It was just Super Bowl after Super Bowl. Me growing up six years old. I, I barely remember, but since then, I was always into the Cowboys because of my dad. If you go to the Yankees, it's my brother-in-law. No Diamondbacks here when I'm younger. He came from New York. All he did was watch the Yankees, so then I'm a Yankees fan. That's why. And don't even say, like, hey, they're all they do is win. Like, you just you latch on not, them because they're anymore. winning. They're not winning anything. The Cowboys are never going to win until Jerry Jones actually stiffens up and he's gone. That's just the way it's going to be. So I have to deal with that. But it's, it's the Cowboys – and it's it's the Yankees and it's the Suns. And that's really, it's just the basics, man. The way you grow up from age six and beyond is really what gets you into sports. And I was talking to my friend too really quick today, and he's trying to get his wife into watching. I'm like, I feel like even if you're trying to get her into it, if she did not grow up wanting to be a sports fan or get into it, it's kind of too late. So yeah. I think it's just, it's the way you grow up in these things, dude. Well, it's hard to explain the rules to him at that point, too. It's just like, okay, a lot of work. Oh, that's a pass interference. Yeah, it's a lot of work. So, you know, so you bring up a good point. So when you analyze fandom, I think that there's four primary reasons you're a fan of a specific team. You know, the, the first and obvious one is geographical. And I think in Daniel's case, you know, Dan Duarte at D Duarte 89 on Twitter. See, I, I throw the shout outs for you. F check out fan the flames NBA because he is the flames 
and both Paul and Justin are fanning him the whole time because he gets heated sometimes. But you know, geographically, you you accessibility to the team. You are from that area, so you latch onto that team. So you know, Dan is a local guy, so he likes the, all the Arizona teams because he grew up going to them, and his memories are. Uh, in his childhood, as you mentioned, are rooted in those teams. You know, so that's one. It, it is geographical. Uh, the second one is perennially. You know, our dads, right? So your dad was a Cowboys fan, and in talking to your dad, he liked the Cowboys back in the Staubach era. You know, so he goes further back than just simply the '90s. Uh, I've seen pictures of you, of your siblings. You know, back in the early '90s like the family photo wearing all Cowboys gear, it's hysterically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, I, I grew up hating the Cowboys. So the fact that I married a cowgirl is uh, kind of funny to me. But again, so, you know, your dad, whoever your dad likes. So geographical, your dad. Uh, another one is is school-based. If you are, let, let's say you're a local Phoenix person, you go to uh, UNLV up here in Las Vegas, you become a rebel. And that's you have an affinity for that team. Now, you still might have ASU as your secondary team or maybe even your primary because you grew up geographically in that area. But you have that uh, affinity for your college team. Uh, and the last one is just the bandwagoner, like the person, you know, the, the fourth reason to like a team is like you're, they're winning. Therefore, I like them. That's how uh, the Seattle Seahawks gained a lot of their fan base outside of Seattle. A lot of uh, Golden State Warriors fans, you know, kids who and again, you, you brought up a good point. Whoever's winning kind of when you're about six to eight years old, if especially if it's your local team, that's who you latch on to uh, unless you're a true diehard like a lot of us are. So, you know, I'll, I'll throw this out there. For Dan, once again, just to remember, okay, born in Phoenix, myself, 1982, moved to, to Los Angeles, California, where my dad went to college and was born in 1985. I lived there till 1994. So six years old, October 1988, what happens? Los Angeles Dodgers win the World Series. The same time I'm playing baseball, you know, T-ball or whatever the next step is from T-ball is because I started playing with us when I was five. So my first love was baseball loved baseball the dodgers i go into their games as a five and six year old and seeing them win the world series it's trifecta like you will have my heart for the rest of my life even moving back to phoenix in 1994 they didn't get a team in the town until 1998 so i was still a dodger fan i'm not going to be like oh because i'm from here i shall like this team now it's like no i grew up a dodgers fan in los angeles now i'm not a lakers fan as i've stated because my parents are both from phoenix my dad born in la went to college in la but he hated the Lakers. He hated Pat Riley. He hated Magic Johnson. And they were Suns fans because they already had a team. It's not like we moved from Phoenix that had a team to a place that had a team. And we you know, negated the team. We'd like There was no team again in Phoenix in baseball. So uh, that's just kind of my affinity. And, and that's just understanding fandom. And you know, it's the childhood memories, as they mentioned on their pod. So if you guys get a chance, check out the Fandom in the Flames pod. It is, a, it is a really good discussion on fandom and then some good discussion on Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson. But I just thought I'd use my platform. <laughs> To politely retort, Mr. Duarte, if that's cool with you. Matthew, well, I like this. Going. I actually, I love this because what we're going to do here is we're going to have a back and forth. And at some time during the sun season, we should have like a match. You guys should pick either MMA, boxing, whatever you want. Celebrity drink match. Uh, drinking Celebrity contest. death match where you, <laughs> where you actually just play it or whatever. And you guys can just fight each other. I, you got to figure something out because I want this all season long. It, it, even if it's fake, we don't have to tell the we don't have to don't tell, have the, tell listeners the listeners that it's fake. Let's just get this going, dude. This this brings the listeners in. We need this, so don't let up. <laughs> okay, so your move, Porte. <laughs> your move. That's why I'm go. a that's why I'm a fan because I grew up in L.A. and they won when I was young. And it Dodger Blue matter. and Dodger Blue is just so pretty. You guys have to admit, Pantone two ninety four is it? It's just a pretty color. You might hate it. But it's a pretty color. So, all right. Well, let's get into some of the questions actually brought up by the Jamsters in our Ask Us Anything segment. So, the first question I'm going to bring up is from at Marcos Andre G. That's Marcos Garcia. He said, "What are some two way or what are some way too early buyout candidates around the league that the Sun should have an eye on? Mostly thinking around the trade deadline." Matthew, I'll allow you to take this one. All right. Well. I think we covered this kind of when we were talking with Flex on the last pod, right? There's somebody that he kind of hinted a little bit like, hey, this guy might be someone the Suns are looking into. And that's Kevin Love, right? Mm-hmm. Two years ago, I loved him. I wanted the Suns to add him. And they would have had to pay, but I'm like, I don't care. I want some of the championship experience, something on this team. Draymond Green, Kevin Love, I don't care. Someone on here. But we got Chris Paul. We were blessed with that man. Now, Kevin Love cheap. 
you want some guy that can help. He's not going to do too much, right? He's going to be the guy that can come in and get those few rebounds, hit from the corner, whatever you need to do, be a leader. He can be that guy. He has a connection too with it's him, it's Chris Paul, and then Chris Paul to LeBron James. You kind of have that. Whether or not they used to leave him in the car when they go eat dinner, when they play with the Cavaliers, I don't know. <laughs> I think that was a rumor, but who knows? He probably um, did. But they probably did on accident. He wasn't invited oh. to the shop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, his mental health issues, I don't know. Yeah, this is true. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's he's the only guy I'm really looking at. I think he would be like a complete piece after the whole Thaddeus Young thing. And I think a yes. lot of people are asking about that. We'll probably get to him after Thaddeus Young. It's like, okay, what else do you need? You need that veteran guy to come in and hit shots. He's still got something left in the tank. So I'm just saying Kevin Love, that's the one guy I'm looking forward to. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously, obviously Thaddeus Young is the big name that come buyout season will most likely have a shot at because we're not going to trade for him. I don't think right away. Although Alex does say in the chat says, what do you guys think about Flex's tweet about Thad where yeah. he, the most recent tweet from Flex, he mentioned something relative to Jalen Smith and Dario Sarge being traded to San Antonio soon before training camp or during training camp. So that is kind of an interesting pivot. You know, as we talked about on the podcast with Flex, I don't know if that's necessarily how San Antonio wants to operate. Why would you, if you hold an asset that somebody else wants, try to maximize that asset until you have no more leverage? And essentially, the time they would have no more leverage is come buyout season. So if Thad Young is in some way, shape, or form the addition that happens via trade, if you're looking at the buyout market, then yeah, most likely. Kevin Love is a name that's been flowed out there. And you know me, Matthew. I've never been a Kevin Love fan on the Suns, although you have been for quite some time. I've been very tentative about it. I, I know he's, you know, one, he has uh, health issues. Two, he, he has he's quit on his team. And I just don't like guys who quit on their team. <laughs> I mean, to see him literally just like, yeah. a, a guy will pass him the ball and he'll just like watch it it's go out of bounds. It's like Daria. Mm -hmm. You ever seen that show on MTV? It's like, na, 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 na. You know, yeah, but I didn't like it. I'm sorry. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't a good show, <laughs> but that good show. but that was her at the beginning. Like they hit her the volleyball. She just stands there and watches it go out of bounds. That's like being, that's Kevin Love. So, you know, I don't Love like it. players like that. It's a certain attitude thing. But of course, you know, there's yeah. the the argument, well, you know, change the scenery and blah, blah, blah. It's like, it, okay, I can see that. Yeah. But it, the one reason I do like Kevin Love, if a buyout situation does occur, is he fits the need of the team at this point. In the past, we were talking about Kevin Love coming to Phoenix in a starting capacity. But if you bring him in as a role player, I'd like him a lot better in that capacity. Somebody who can provide rebounding assistance for our second team and maybe even get some first team minutes with DeAndre. So we really shore up those rebounds. Somebody who can bring size, who can bring shooting, who can, you know, he, he's a guy who used to drop 30 and 20 once upon a time, and he is only 33 years old. So there is some gas potentially left in the tank. So come buyout season, I do think that he is a name that we will be focused in on. But knowing the Suns, if we do make any buyout season acquisitions, it'll be somebody we never have heard of. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it, well, I don't know because a lot of people wanted Thaddeus Young. It almost seems like it's going to happen. I think Kevin Love, because the way the Suns are, of course, now, they're a destination for a lot of players. There's the players that we want that are out there. It's actually realistic now. It's something that yes. might happen. And the Kevin Love thing, too, in Cleveland, where he's quitting on his teammates, it does suck to see. But a lot of these players in the NBA, it takes them nothing to get out of a situation. I think Kevin Love has tried so hard to get out of there. Yeah. And he just can't. So I understand the frustration. I just think that these players get out so easily and he's just having a hard time. So that might be the reason to why you're seeing that. And it's it seems like he's been on that team 10 years after LeBron how, James left. How, how do you think Kevin Love feels when like JaVale McGee got bought out last year? by the Cleveland Cavaliers and then essentially I don't know if he got bought out or he got traded to the Nuggets but like he wanted to leave and they're like okay you can go and Kevin Love's like hey uh, what about me they're like you shut up you stay over there Daria <laughs> you get in the corner you yeah the corner. <laughs> yeah I think it sucks it's the only thing that they can do for an office like, yeah we'll get you out of here soon just pat him on the back that's the only thing you can really do it's it's going to take some time because of course this contract's more expensive but mm -hmm. I just I think that it, it'll eventually will happen right I mean he has to leave whether it's retirement or another team <laughs> Well, maybe that's what Cleveland wants. Like the only way you're leaving here is via retirement. <laughs> retired retired you know? jersey. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, our next question comes from Daniel Thompson, who's actually watching along live on YouTube. So a reminder, if you're here, hit the subscribe button, hit that thumbs up button. So everyone knows that 
you like us and such. Uh, he asked thoughts on the goat Chandler Hutchison. So since the last time we potted, the Suns did make a two way contract signing, adding Chandler Hutchinson, six foot six. Uh, although it says on his uh, basketball reference that he's like a small forward slash power forward. Like this guy's not a power forward, but Matthew, give me your initial thoughts. If you have any on Chandler <laughs> Hutchison. Oh yeah. Well, sorry to let you down. I don't really have any thoughts on it. I think the whole two way player thing, when you see this now with the Suns, it's kind of just something to ignore. Cause you're, you're focusing more on the bigger picture. The younger guys are going to make a difference. I'm not saying like he can't come in and get some minutes. Maybe he can, who knows, but it's just one of those things where they got to, they got to fill a spot, right? That's yes. all it really is. And I just, I don't really have anything on him. So I didn't really spend like four hours out of my day looking up his highlights yeah. and actually studying this guy. Cause I just know it doesn't really make a difference next season, whether or not he's on the team or he's not. Exactly. And we don't necessarily have to use these roster spots. Uh, I like that James Jones is doing that just because like we don't have a G League team anymore. Uh, so well, even that, that, even that's a moot point. It, it really doesn't matter. The two-way spots don't matter. We are not the 2018 Phoenix Suns. We're the 2021 NBA champ or NBA final runner-up Western Conference champion Phoenix Suns. And bringing on Chandler Hutchison, a guy who is a high flyer, like he can throw a, a, a dunk out there every now and then. I don't know, A, how productive he's going to be and how many minutes he's going to be uh get with this team and be like, if it, if it even matters, it, in my opinion, it really does. He is a break glass in case of emergency kind of player. We shouldn't really have a, t take a look at, you know, what he's done or what he's going to do for this team. Cause he's not really going to impact it. He's really not like, again, Tyshawn Alexander, nine total points with the Suns in the regular season last year, Chandler Hutchinson. I don't see him getting much more. I just don't. So, uh, good no, question. Good question. Yeah. Got to bring it up. It's been a while since we've been on the pod, so appreciate yes, it. Yes, that, that has happened since the last time we were here, so definitely worth bringing up. All right, next question coming from at the only Jay Schneck on Twitter. So he started with a statement. Okay, he says, my major concern after the final was help on the boards. I really believe if we rebounded on the defensive end, we would have won the championship. Bucks had double-digit offensive rebounds every game. Why don't you think we add a rebounder to help Aiton, a Derek Favors type? And then he went on to comment, I know we added McGee, but he ain't going to play alongside Aiton. And no disrespect to Crowder, he's not a power forward. They need a banger to help out on the boards. Taking all that in, Matthew, what are your initial thoughts? You want me to go first? I can go first on this one. Um, <laughs> well, there's one guy I love <laughs> who will be playing the power forward position for the Suns. <laughs> That's Cameron Johnson. I mean, he's Do you the think guy he's a banger? He can be. That's the thing. It's like, so when I look at this roster, it's like, who do you want to put in the starting lineup out of out of the Suns organization, out of our roster? Who do you want to who do you want to actually put in there from a different team or just switch it up to see if it looks better? No one. Because I think our starting lineup, whether it's Jay Crowder or Cameron Johnson, those are the guys you want in there. And I really think I'm really high on Cameron Johnson. All right. You already have like the conversations with Mikhail Bridges versus Cameron Johnson. Which one would you take? That's how that's the leap that Cameron Johnson made in the playoffs in this last season, is that he can be a guy that will just improve on a certain in a certain area on the floor. That will just be such a big surprise, and he'll 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 take you by surprise, and he'll just be like, "What? He has that in him too." And I can see him being a guy that can help on the boards. I can see him being a guy that can get in position, find a man, box out, get those boards. I mean, in the Bucks against in the finals, that was just a lot of that was it was hard to watch because I don't remember being that worried about getting the rebounds since like the Amari days and Steve Nash. Yep. But the Bucks got a lot of those bounces too. And they were just playing insane for the last four games. So if you don't, I don't think you want to rush anything and put like a Derek Favors kind of guy in there. Cause you already have the lineup you want. You don't want to yes. replace any of these guys right now. And I really do think Cameron Johnson has the upside to be someone that can help on there. I'm, I know he's a little bit maybe skinnier, but he seems like he's getting bigger and he, no, he was does. on. He was on today's pod at the PHNX with mm -hmm. uh, Saul and Espo, and he was talking about just offseason already getting ready for it right after the finals. So he's ready. He knows how important this next season is for him to get into that rotation, and that's a voice crack to end my, uh, your, your my, thoughts? my thoughts. Yeah, sh sh shout out to Saul. <laughs> shout out to Espo on the PHNX. Uh, great work that they're doing over there. Um, I think you bring up a valuable point about Cam Johnson, and he here's my response to what, Jay Schneck said here, 
the only reason or I don't want to readjust our entire team because of the NBA finals, because that's a team on the opposite side of the bracket who, if we do make it to the finals this year, we may or may not face again, because if we have a banger, if you will, if Jay Crowder is no longer needed on this team and you replace him with somebody with a little bit more size one, you don't know necessarily if it's going to work from a chemistry standpoint, but two, you don't know if it's going to be successful playing the other teams in the West necessarily. The, the, the Milwaukee Bucks are kind of an anomaly because they have size in Ant- Giannis Antetokounmpo and Brooke Lopez. Look in the West. You don't have that. You have uh, Aaron Gordon is now, what, the four in Denver, just signed the big deal next to Jokic, yeah. so you can dominate that. AD is going to play the five in L- with uh, the – the Los Angeles Lakers, um, Christoph's Przingis, like, I mean, the, the size that exists for Milwaukee is very, very unique. So we don't need to take a, take our roster and try to flip it for one opponent. We have 28 other opponents to worry about. And what we have works to the, to the, you know, we were the second team overall in the West last year. And this year, I really think with the growth of, DeAndre Ayton, Mikael Bridges, and as you mentioned, Cam Johnson, I think that we really negate a lot of those needs uh, relative to trying to get another big guy in here. And that's why JaVale McGee is important. So if you do go against yeah. one of those teams, you know, one of those unique unicorn teams that have a lot of really strong front court players, then you can rotate him in and, and in those situations. And then Jay Crowder's coming off the bench and Billy Seifert says in the chat, he says, Jay hell, Jay Crowder's a hell of a defender. He is even against big guys. He is Giannis went ape shit in the finals. Like we have to, like this was peak Giannis type stuff, 50 points in game six. Like, yeah, like, come on, there's nothing you can really do there. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I'm done. Oh, okay. Well, Giannis is on the same tier as like an Anthony Davis, right? It doesn't matter what position these guys are playing. They're unstoppable. It doesn't matter. You can't put anybody up against them to make a difference when they're yeah. playing that way. Plus, these young guys, and we probably talked about before, they're going to go up another level. So you don't even know right now what you're going to see till next season because there's going to be certain things about their game that are going to improve. You'd be like, oh, thank God we didn't, you know, we didn't switch these guys out for someone else that already, you know, like a David Derek Favors is like, I don't know, like he could do, he can rebound, he could do rebounding, yeah, he, <laughs> he can do, do a rebound. good job getting the boards, but I don't. But he's know. not you a know, starter. He's not, yeah, you, he's not a starter. No, and whose not. minutes are, are he is he going to take? Is is Cam Johnson going to become your small forward? So now our our entire second team becomes this like huge monster. It's Javale McGee, Derek Favors, Cam Johnson. You know, I mean, it's just like. There, there's ways that that could work, and I could see that working in theory. But what we have, one of the most valuable assets we have going into next season is chemistry. You couple yeah. that with young players who are going to grow, and that could mean a really, really fun season for the Phoenix Suns. And I don't think that you mess with that by by trying to solve the one thing that beat you at the end of last year. And you see that that reminds me, that mentality reminds me of the Phoenix Suns and uh, what they did in the seven seconds or less era, where every year that they would lose, they would they would dish off a bunch of, you know, in some years, primary pieces, in other years, complementary pieces, in an effort to try to beat the Spurs. It was like, okay, uh, the Spurs beat us with physicality, so goodbye, Quentin Richardson, goodbye, Joe Johnson, uh, hello, Kurt Thomas, you know, hello, Boris Diaw, hello, Raja Bell, and although those teams did still excel, they they didn't, even get to the NBA finals because it never worked. They, they were so focused on not imposing their will. They were so focused on trying to avoid having the Spurs impose their will upon them that they were never successful enough. Yeah. And we've moved past that the last two years with this team. It's it's about patience, man. And you really don't want like the Robbie Anderson of fantasy football where he comes out week one and he can just produce and you're like, Oh, let's go get that guy you yes. know, to help us. But then nothing happens because you ruin that chemistry with your team. And then you lose eight straight games. Yeah. Amen. Don't <laughs> we don't want any of that crap. No losing eight straight games. All right. Real quick question Fantasy. from Ryan Hanna. He goes, do you guys think Aiton will have any consistency issues this upcoming season? I'll go That's first on question. this one. Yeah. Go first, please. Um, yes. I do think that there will be, stretches where he isn't as focused as he should be. Um, and that's just kind of, again, part of that growth with Aiden. I think that he'll be a lot more focused than he was last year. I think that his confidence is through the roof right now. 
you know, the first thing that he said after the NBA finals, he went to Devin Booker and he's like, this is just the beginning. And he believes that. And now he's had, he spent a time away. He's gone back to the Bahamas. You know, he's the shit there. Uh, he has a newborn baby son that he, you know, had his wife had or his, his girlfriend, or I don't know what the relationship status is. Uh, I haven't seen it as being Facebook official yet, but he, <laughs> he, he has those motivational things around him and those intangibles and the right people around him to instill that confidence in him. I just think by default, like no athlete is consistently perfect, especially a guy who's going to be in his fourth year. I, I hope that he's a lot more consistent, but I still think there's going to be stretches where there'll be about a four or five game stretch here or there where we just, we're doing eight and watch. Cause you know, we'll bring it back. Or, or maybe it'll be cam watch this year just for we you gotta matthew do, we gotta do cam watch yeah we'll do cam watch cam wow uh but we'll have those those conversations about him just not necessarily being as locked in as we would have liked him to be when they're playing cleveland on a wednesday what are your thoughts yeah. well it's it's tough because this is going to happen but what better situation for you to be in than this and i think it just takes some people in life in the nba to wake up and sometimes in the nba it's just too late for them you know they go through these stretches like as a young as a young player on these crappy teams like a Josh Jackson, you know what I mean? And they have like a hard time adjusting their personality, everything to the game and give the effort that the team needs. All right. And that might've been Aiton if we didn't have Monty Williams, James Jones here to get that culture going here. And I think a lot of people already know that, but it's so important because I think Aiton now, I mean, to get inside his head and know what's going on, I don't know, but it seems like he he knows his potential now. He's been into the match where he can go head-to-head with Giannis and put up a fight. I mean, he did get brutally <laughs> murdered by Giannis, but he knows now the punch that he that the punch he took from Giannis is he knows how to take that and he knows where to go from there. And he has a great stability around him to help him through those. And I think every player is going to go through stretches in the season where you're going to just want to be like, what, what's going on? Like pick it up. It just, it happens. It's like baseball, you know, a hitting slump. It happens in all the sports. And I just think he has, I just, I'm so excited to, to see what he's going to bring next year. Yes. And I, if it's not frustrating, like it has been, isn't that going to be crazy? Like I just, just to say like, if we go through a stretch of the first 30 games and we're not even talking about the effort at all or him showing how tired he is on the court, that's going to be a blessing for us. Oh my as gosh. Like that is something, if that happens, this team is ready to win it all. This team it will be feared for the next five or six years, hopefully. Well, if that happens, this team is going to end with the best record in the West and it might be easy yeah. because if you get a DeAndre Ayton who is consistently aggressive offensively, playing the defense, getting the rebounds, doing all the things that we are always asking of him as a number one pick, and we saw throughout the playoffs last year, if you're getting that consistently during the regular season, like the Suns become darn near unstoppable because you have a fantastic Hall of Fame distributor. You have a best-in-class, all-star caliber, gold medal-winning shooting guard. You have complementary role players around them who can play defense and shoot the three, and then you have him on the interior, like that's that that's how you build a team. Like if you're starting in 2K, that's how you build a team from archetypes. And now yeah. you're just inserting players in there. So uh, will there be inconsistency? I'm saying yes, uh, just because that's all yeah. I know when it comes to DeAndre. Exactly. I agree. All right, here we go. Next question. This comes from at one stratification on Twitter. It says who is taking a bigger step in terms of offensive creation production this next season? Bridges, Johnson or Payne? Matthew, I think we know this answer from you, but just throw it out there for the Jamsters. Yeah, I mean, I would say Cam Johnson, but creation, when I see that, I, I think a campaign, I mean, for him to do what he did last year and all the stories about him going into the playoffs is great, but I think he knows now that he has even a bigger chance for another contract in a couple of years with another team or with the Suns to prove that he can be a starting point guard. So whether or not what he does in the off, in this offseason to work on that and to be a better backup point guard of Chris Paul, maybe even take more of those minutes, is up to him. And I think he will do that. I think he will take that next step. Those three are so tough. It might be mm-hmm. neck to neck. But, of course, I'm going to go Cam Johnson because I really think he's something to take a big leap. Uh, I just, I don't know, campaign, though, I just I think that him offensively, he's so close to yeah. being a starter somewhere. I really do not. It's not like my Javon Carter thing I did last year where I was really big on him. But I just think that campaign has 
he has that in him. He has that fight in him. And this team, I think it's the perfect surrounding, just like Aiden. He needs that around him to push it out of him. And he's going to be that guy next year. But I'm going to take, I'm going to say Cameron Johnson, who you got. Yeah, I think Cameron Johnson in this instance is the correct answer. If you look at offensive production, uh, and let me see, it's offensive creation and or production. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think Mikhail Bridges, as much as we'd like to see him create more offensively or be more productive on offense, I think that due to his kind of role in this uh, on this team, you're not necessarily going to see it blossom. You know, he did have 13 and a half points a game last year. He did have 4.3 rebounds per game. And I kind of feel like as the fourth option and sometimes the fifth option on the first team offensively, that's that's where he's going to end up living. Uh, I think that campaign has kind of hit his capacity, you know, his maximum capacity, if you will, on second, you know, from, from he's not going to get better. Uh, creating offensively because he's damn good creating offensively. What I would like to see more from campaign is more uh, just, you know, getting better at distributing the ball, becoming more of a playmaker than somebody producing points, you know, eight and a half uh, points coming off the bench. I think Cam Johnson's going to have the best opportunity uh, to really, because he's the, he's the one who likes to go to the basket cam campaign likes to go to the basket as well. That's part of his game. Like that's what he does. He he goes to the basket. He hits threes. Cam Johnson, somebody who's like, he hits threes. That's his archetype, but he's be more, he's become more comfortable and going to the rim. And I'm hoping that that's where we see more of his productivity is just that is attacking the rim is being the guy who comes off the bench and is attacking defenses, second team defenses in most cases and getting to the line. Like that's what I'd really like to see from Cam Johnson is, you know, you take a look at his performance this past season and, you know, the majority of his shots obviously are coming from deep. He shot a total of, uh, what let's see here stats where are the stats 5.6 three pointers per night uh you know 2.5 from two point and free throw attempts he had one a game like i'd like to see that coming off the bench two two and a half you know something like that and that's what happens if he is attacking the rim so i think to answer that question i think cam johnson is the correct answer yeah that's good and plus mikhail bridges he might have that in him for the playmaking part you know, he might have that. It might be something where we see towards the end of the season, kind of like his little jump shot in the lane in the paint that he, yes. you know, we saw spurts of that, but then he was more consistent towards the end of the season in the playoffs. It might be the same thing for his like playmaking skills too, towards the end of the year. No, I completely agree. Which there. would be awesome. Yes. <laughs> that would be amazing. Oh, it's everything you want and need. Yeah. All right. Next one. Will the offense be run through DeAndre a little bit this season or will he still be a role player? who wants to take this question i'll I'll take this one first uh i think that it will be run a little bit more through him i think that you know last season initially the phoenix suns were focused on how to maximize their point scoring ability from their guard play and they would use the pick and roll but due to deandre ayton's ineffectiveness consistently he wouldn't be fed the ball from Chris Paul. And we saw that and commented on it plenty. It's like, why isn't Chris feeding him? Well, he fumbled a pass a time or two. It's almost like a running back for the New England Patriots. If they fumble the ball, Bill Belichick will not give you the ball and you're going to sit the rest of the game. Chris Paul would do that in some instances where he'd try to feed DA. And if he fumbled the ball, he's like, you know what? We'll run the high screen and roll all day, but it's going to result in me shooting an elbow midi or I'm, I'm dishing it to the three point line and letting Jay shoot. And I think yeah. as the season progressed and especially once we hit the playoffs, you started to see a little bit more involvement from DA. I'm hoping that as they enter training camp here shortly, you know, in probably about two, two and a half weeks, that they're really focused on trying to run some offensive sets for DeAndre Ayton. I think that this team becomes even more scary on offense if you can just have the threat of you know five possessions a game, give it down to DA on the block, and let him do something. And if you start doing that, guess what? And, and especially if he's effective at it, guess what? He's a great passing big. If he starts abusing somebody down there, they're going to drop coverage. You're, he can pass the ball out, whip it around two times. Jay Crowder's wide open in the one spot that he likes to shoot threes. He'll get fouled while shooting a three, and it'll be a four-point play. Yeah. <laughs> I like we're building these players into the machines. They're just going to be like, they're going to be like uh 93 overalls by the time the season's over on NBA 2K. I feel like <laughs> the way we're talking about these players, uh, but Deandre, it was so weird at doing every podcast. It was a lot of fun, but I mean, it was just so weird to always come in and be like, 
feed DA the ball, but a lot yeah. of it was just so unnatural. It was not there and it wasn't ready yet. It's so hard for a big man like him to come in and just have to learn the system. Then you don't even have an off season at all with Chris Paul. You have to go in there like trial by fire. You have to figure things out, whether or not we think he's trying to learn or just trying to figure it out himself. Who knows? It's still very, very difficult. And I think what he was trying to do with Chris Paul just needs to wait till this season. And I think we talked about that. It's like, okay, he's there, but he's not getting the ball. And there's a reason for that. Him trying to like flail his arms and ask for the ball. And they're not giving it to him. There's a reason. And whether or not what it looks like on TV, if you're watching the, if you were watching the game and Aiton just seemed like he was open and Chris Paul doesn't give him the ball, like who would you believe knows what the hell they're doing. You know, Chris Paul does. There's something that Aiden was not doing. And it's not even his fault. He just needs some time to this offseason. And they will. We've always wanted DeAndre to be the center of the offense. You know, his passing skills are good. You know, yeah. he can get the ball to whoever he wants standing there in the middle. And it's going to happen, man. And I'm excited to see that too because it might look a lot – it's going to look a lot different from last year, hopefully. And if they're not giving the ball and the media is still seeing that and we're just like, what is the deal with this? Then there's some real issues. But I think going into next season, it's going to be okay. Yes, and again, I think that his confidence is so vital going into this upcoming season. Mm-hmm. And he, the hope is – and I doubt this is true because he seems like a really humble guy. And that's one thing that I really like about DeAndre Ayton is he's never been an overly brash, uh, overly confident when he shouldn't be kind of player. Because yeah. if he was coming into the season, you'd be scared. It's like, listen, this guy's head is huge now. He now if he starts to falter, he's going to lose it all because he's a head case. He's not. So with his confidence, with his ability to be humble and to listen to his teammates he will have more opportunities because of that. Those are the kind of guys you want to feed that you want to succeed next to you. If you got the loud brash guy, you know, this is, this is kind of the Kobe uh, shack ordeal. You know, they both, you know, Kobe was the grinder, you know, like Devin Booker is where he's just like, he's all about the game and he's deadly. And you had Shaq who was just physically one of the most, unstoppable forces in the NBA, but he also had a personality and a brashness to him that rubbed Kobe the wrong way because Kobe was, you know, Kobe wasn't seven foot tall and just like 370 pounds of pure man shit. You know, Kobe was like, I'm going to have to maximize everything that I have. Although, you know, he had obviously great basketball skills, but there's a difference in that level. So I really think that due to his humility and the way that he approaches the game, DeAndre will see more opportunities this year. Yep. All right, let's see what's next. Ooh, this is always a fun one. Okay, this is from at after <laughs> Tiger twenty five. Who would yeah. win in a fight between a grilled cheese and a taco? Also, is a hot dog a sandwich? So, grilled cheese and a taco. Who wins in a fight, Matthew? Oh, well thought out question. Um, <laughs> first of all, hot dogs not a sandwich. We covered that before. I don't think it is. You think it is? I'll answer that for you. <laughs> but yeah, but I have. Go- I have a new, I, I have a new oh, case Okay, on okay, that. okay. I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure you do. And uh, <laughs> uh, taco versus grilled cheese. Okay, so it depends, right? Soft taco, hard hard taco. Who's yes. who's cooking the grilled cheese, right? Is it grilled tree? Grilled trees? Are they, <laughs> are they? Is it cooked too long? Is it a little burnt? You know, I like mine just a little bit burnt in the middle. Um, yeah. If if it's that, if it's a hard taco, and it's kind of like a little overcooked grilled cheese. I'm taking the grilled cheese, dude. Really? Right? Is yeah, it because think- the grilled cheese, because it's a little overcooked, it's like it has armor? No, because all you have to do is just you open up when you're a grilled cheese. You open yourself up and you cover the taco, mm. and then the taco's just, you know, smothered. That's the only way I could think of it, unless you got another way around it. So, so here's <laughs> the way I look at it. If you're sitting across the room from me, let's just say 10 feet away, and I chuck a grilled cheese sandwich at you, and I chuck a taco at you, which one's going to hurt more? Oh, the grilled cheese. Grilled cheese, because the taco just falls apart. I feel yeah. like although the, the, the taco has plenty of ammunition, it just can't hold itself together. Whereas a grilled cheese yeah. is like, it's smacked. It's, it's held together by molten cheese. So I'm just going to go with the grilled cheese on that. Random okay, question. Yeah, it's, it's ask, but you're, they're asking too, like, is it its own personality? It has its own soul, these things? Or, yes. Like you said, are well, we throwing them at each other? Well, that, well that's what Brian Han asking the question. He's like, don't mean to hate the dumb question, but neither have arms or legs. How the fuck do they fight? And so that's the way I'm looking at it. It's like, rather than them actually fighting each other, like if I had them in my hand, which one would you be more afraid of? Like I got a hot grilled cheese. I'm like, I'm going to hit, I'm going to get you. Or I got Mm -hmm. a taco. You're like, yeah, throw the taco. This will be funny. It's like, 
a shell hits you and it doesn't even <laughs> hurt. So, but, but back to the debate on is a hot dog a sandwich. So we did have this stupid debate on a podcast a while ago. And actually Paul from uh fanning the flames reached out to me and gave me a, a really interesting chart that I'm going to pull up. So again, if you're listening, I'll try to explain this the best I can. Uh, and if you aren't listening and you're actually watching on the show, go to our channel and go ahead and uh, give us a five-star review and, and subscribe. But he sent me this. And what this is, is the cube rule of food identification. <laughs> and if you look at this, a you know toast is the bottom of a cube. A sandwich is the bottom and the top of the cube. A taco is the two sides and the bottom of a cube. So a hot dog is technically a taco. Or a taco is technically a hot dog. Sushi goes all the way around. A quiche, a calzone, and a cake. So cake is three layers, right? So it's like lasagna technically is a cake, as Paul pointed out to me. So this is a very interesting, the cube rule of food identification. Take time to look it up. You'll see that that proves that a hot dog is not a sandwich. It is technically a taco. Oh, my. Yeah, it makes sense now. The way to break it down, like seriously, I never thought of it. I mean, if there's this hot dog place I go to called Short Leash, and they actually wrap it with a pita, and it's like more like a taco. You know, and it's delicious. And I honestly think that's the best kind of way to eat a hot dog. But yeah, man, it's a taco. I guess we settled it, huh? Yeah. And Fabio asking in the chat, is pizza a toast? Yes. And oh, toast is a crap. pizza. Yep. Yeah. Yep. By the cube rule. When of you were food. younger, did you, did you? I used to make pizza toast. On toast. I, I, I was poor too. Billy asks, <laughs> is ketchup a smoothie? In my opinion, absolutely yes. It's pureed tomatoes and tomatoes are a fruit. Yeah. Drink it up. Drink it Cheap. up. And right. it does, he also says, uh, does my dad love me? <laughs> Good luck with that one. I don't know. Probably I not. I don't know if this is the place. We've had a lot of dumb questions, uh, but that's one I literally don't have an opinion on. Don't know your dad. Don't know your situation. I don't know if he's alive. I mean, yeah. well, we can go too really dark ask, with this. Huh? To yep. a little today. Wah, wah, wah. All right. Last question that we have here on the Ask Us Anything. This actually comes from Paul from... <laughs> <laughs> from fanning the flames paul he, start of the pod and he goes why did you leave us referencing us our departure from bright side of the sun yeah. so uh sh i guess i should break this down or do you want to take a shot at it i mean if you want to break it down it's more like i thought it was more like a behind the scenes thing and like people wouldn't even notice but yeah oh people pe people have noticed and i think that you know so when the season ended we had an opportunity to leave bright side of the sun in an effort to assist a new Phoenix suns or, or Phoenix area podcasting network. Uh, that opportunity after we, right after we departed, literally like a week later, just fell apart. And yeah. we were just kind of left with our dick in our hands uh, being like, okay, well here we are. We've left bright side of the sun. We do have our own podcasting channel sun's jam session so if you search on any major uh podcasting platform sun's jam like there we are whereas in the past you'd have to search for bright side of the sun and we were an episode next to fanning the flames uh which wasn't wrong it was a great exposure and it was a great opportunity but again i think that mm -hmm. your dream and my dream we always like just having our own channel uh, i don't know why but that's the way it is so we essentially had an opportunity that fell through and now we're just kind of free agents hanging out here on the wind so uh, we appreciate everyone's support and who's followed us to this new segment. Obviously, our YouTube channel and all of our marketing and things of that nature have remained the same, as have all of our social media handles and things of that nature. But where you actually find the podcast has changed just because an opportunity fell through, good, bad, or indifferent. Uh, I know that neither you or I are sour about that because, uh, again, we have an opportunity to have our own channel, which is something that we like. And now we just hope that the Athletic picks us up or something. Maybe The Ringer will pick us up, and we'll be the one Suns podcast for The Ringer. And then they'll be like, why are you talking about lasagna yeah. being a cake? Um, can we get some analysis on DeAndre Ayton, please? Hey, actually, I listen to The Ringer podcast all the time. Those are the best conversations. The stuff that isn't even about sports are the best conversations on the pod. So I'm all for that. But, yeah, I mean, we're, we're still Suns Jam Session post-game pods we'll be doing it all everything's the oh, same yeah. our maybe our backgrounds things will be different who knows we're gonna have a lot going on this season so don't worry uh we're all very happy where we are right now oh yes big time big time and, and we're happy for everyone around us too obviously the sun solar panel 
is is different. Um, you have the PHNX uh, network. Yeah. You know that's different. Every really you know, awesome. Yeah, everything is the content is all fantastic. So as Suns fans looking for a place to absorb Phoenix Suns content, I'm just really proud to be a part of this entire community that we have, and we're all friends and we enjoy talking to each other about the Suns, and that's what this is all about. So mm-hmm. um, let's see if we have any other questions. I did see one in the chat, and I wanted to ask you, Matthew, this yeah, one. I know which one it is. Oh, do. You? Steve Holler. Yes. Are yep. you scared of the <laughs> Lakers? A great question. A good question. Yeah. We can end the podcast on Matthew. I just answered the last one. Are you scared of the okay. Lakers? My friend? Uh, uh, hell yeah. I was scared of them. Of course, last, the first round of last year's playoffs this year. Yes. I mean, they still have the, some of the best players in the league. I'm very, very scared of them. But what is the best thing about the Lakers is the media is so about LeBron, right? Force you down your throat since you've been, since you were 10 years old for the last 20 years. It's all about a LeBron. So having that around LeBron can, you know, throw things off, can make it very, very difficult for them to win the focus. Are they strong enough? Is AD, does he have the mental capacity to just hold it all in and go out there and win and not get injured? That's just the one thing that I'm worried about with them is Anthony Davis and LeBron James, if he can bring it back and play just as good as he did last year. I am scared of them, but I think the Suns in the regular season is not going to be an issue. I think Suns will probably be a, a one or two seed this year. But when it comes into playoffs, and you get to play them again. Yeah, I'm going to be scared, right? Am I'm I wrong? Not, I'm not. You're not scared of them. No, I really, I'm really not. I think that chemistry has been an issue in LA for the past two seasons. Obviously, them winning the championship in the bubble. Uh, there was a factor without fans there, without people booing LeBron for his, you know, antics, yeah, things of that nature. Yeah. And he he's somebody who feeds off the crowd and he's somebody who really cares about what people think about him. And when you're in the bubble and everything that's going on, you know, I think that they had the opportunity to excel and they did. I think that they gave away a lot of really good role players off of that team. And we're seeing some of those players excel in other areas and i think that they they really remind me of the 2004 lakers and i'm in, i'm in my hotel room last night and i'm watching nba tv and they had uh because ben wallace recently went into the hall of fame they had a 2004 nba finals game against the lakers and you saw like gary payton's out there and you remember carl malone was brought into that team but he couldn't you know he wasn't healthy enough for the playoffs and you know they they have a lot of guys who are trying to cherry pick a championship at the end of the year on the coattails of lebron james and anthony davis and i think that there's you know egos and there's issues and you're in la and i just i think all those x factors around this team are going to make for them to provide a shaky performance all year and there's always injury possibilities with those teams you know you never wish injury on anybody or any team but they're they have a higher risk you know like covid there's a higher risk of you being you know getting long-term effects and or perishing from it if you're over 75 you know that's how the lakers are like because of their roster being as old as it is and because their role players are old as well it's not like they have what they had two years ago they had lebron james who wasn't necessarily like old man james but they had like rajon rondo but they had a bunch of young players to come in and spell those guys so if somebody went down you had alex caruso you had uh, God, who else was on that team two years ago? I don't even care. But they had they had the capacity to really help that team get through spurts of the season in which they need them to. Now they just have a bunch of old guys doing it. So again, we'll see. Are they going to be dangerous? Probably. I mean, it's LeBron James. It's Anthony Davis. But the question is, am I scared of the Lakers? And for me, that's a hard no. Right now you're not. But when they have to play them, it's going to be very, very freaking scary. Right? We'll see. We'll see. Plus, in the 2004 Lakers, they were effing each other's wives, a lot of them. So I don't think – you might not have that going on anymore in L.A. That might not be a thing with Anthony Davis and LeBron and them. I think they're very much a family-oriented uh, team. Organization. Maybe. Yeah. So behind-the-scenes stuff I don't think is a really issue. But I'm there you go. It's, it's LeBron James and Anthony Davis. They will scare me until they are out of the league and if the Suns have to play them. But, I mean, look forward to what the Suns have to bring. The next step for Devin Booker, Mikhail Bridges, DeAndre Aiden, that but is that's, scary. But that's that why I'm not scared scary. of the Lakers because of mm-hmm. what we're going to put forth on the court. Like, I'm scared of the Lakers if I'm the Clippers and I have, like, no Kawhi, you know? But, like, this is a team that went to the NBA Finals, is returning the majority of its squad, is getting – it's a young team that has another year of growth ahead of them. Like, everything – is pointing positive for the Suns this year. The acquisitions they added 
really are going to fortify the lineup. There's not a lot of holes in it. You know, this isn't like yeah. we're sitting here looking at the Arizona Cardinals defense, uh, which I really can't even poke fun at right now because they fucking dominated this past Sunday. But, you know, like they, they I was m- talking to you before the game, how my biggest fear with the Arizona Cardinals is their secondary depth. It's not something up front. It's depth. So in the first game of the season, yeah, they look great. But by what are they going to look like in week seven when injuries and things of that nature happen? Yeah, like, yeah, the exactly. same thing goes for the Suns, but the depth, but they do have that depth. Like I can't sit there. The one area everybody points to with the Phoenix Suns that needs probably some assistance and is the reason why Thaddeus Young is such a hot name is because a good solid power forward outside of Cam Johnson needs to happen. That's what everybody thinks. We have our playmakers. We have our backup to Devin Booker. Cam Johnson can be a backup to Mikael Bridges, as can Abdul Nader. You know, Cam Johnson can be a backup to Jay Crowder, JaVale McGee behind DeAndre. And like the, the team is fucking deep. So if anything were to occur, like there's another guy who can step up. And I think that's the one reason why we want another power forwards just for a little bit more versatility. Yeah, and honestly, I mean, injury is one thing we can always worry about. But, I mean, if injury was a thing, a lot of people didn't want Chris Paul because of injury, right? And that mm-hmm. worked out really well. So I can't go into that too much. So if something were to happen to, like, Booker or Chris Paul, we have death, but they're not Booker or Chris Paul, you know what I mean? So if these teams were at full strength playing each other in the first round again, and if the Suns were – they won five more games this year, and we've seen improvement with their players, I'm still going to be scared. I just – and until those guys are gone, and if they are hurt, then yes, thank God they're hurt. I don't care. I don't want to play them, you know, at full strength. So yeah. <laughs> I hope it does happen. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, shout out to Coach Evan B., who's currently in the chat. He says, this is my OG Suns pod. We appreciate that. And I actually think we're going to have Coach Evan B. on the next program. It'll be jamming with Coach Evan B. Cool. Uh, for those of you who don't know him, he's the host of the He's on Fire podcast, which covers all things Suns, Cardinals, and Sun Devil Athletics. Uh, so we'll get him on here to get some of his thoughts on the Phoenix Suns, uh, as well as what he's doing. And maybe I can talk a little Cardinals with somebody because, I mean, you know, Matthew's a Cowboys fan. So I, although- I like talking Cardinals. <laughs> I love the car. I do. I'm serious. I I'm a Cowboys fan, and I love. I like. I like LeBron. I like Anthony Davis. You know, what I mean? I'm gonna like. See, we, it's Murray gonna end up play. being you versus Daniel Duarte because <laughs> yeah, because I am more extensions to just yeah because you're just like random shit. You're, you're like Russell Westbrook is a great rebounder. It's just like yeah. <laughs> well, we you need to go on Fan of the Flames and just give Duarte all of your takes, and uh-huh. you could just hear him just seething at all the frustration of all the reasons why you shouldn't like any of the guys. (laughs) Well, when you, when you start giving up on the Cowboys and their coaching staff and everything they do to make their team miserable, then, you know, they can draft good, but can they coach them? No. So I have to think of, I have to like watch, I have to get into fantasy more and then when the Cardinals are good, then I have to start watching them. So what if, uh, you know, so obviously fantasy football and things are going on Uh, for those of you who are in the state of Arizona sports betting, uh, that's been fun, right? I'm Are you finally it. in? <laughs> no. <laughs> so, I didn't check. I didn't check the last two days. So so what's funny is, you know, for those of you who are in Arizona, you know that you can now like gamble on your phone. Like it's fantastic. <laughs> it's yeah. one of my favorite things. If you look at my my background, I created a thing that's the the cardinal schedule. That's what I'm rocking right now on my uh my oh, background created, on my phone. Dude, I created that too, man. Oh yeah. Yours is the cowboy yeah. schedule, probably though. Oh yeah. This is great for the people the listening. Camera. Yeah, there you go. Oh, yeah. you can't even see it anyways. That's the John, the, the John Voida graphic design work. Uh, but, you know, last weekend, so much fun betting on <laughs> sports. And again, Matthew, who's in the corner, hung over and can't talk. I'm like, dude, are you on DraftKings? And he's like, no, man, like I'm being verified. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, they like don't know I exist or they don't trust my address. I'm like, poor Matthew, dude, because you're 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 watching games with me and my brother, and we're talking about all the bets we're making, and we're like mini- winning money left and right. You're just like miserable in the corner, shivering. You guys are winning all day fantasy. Cardinals killed best game in 20 years by the Cardinals. Oh, you they guys won like four hundred dollars combined. It was nuts, and I don't even remember any of it. <laughs> yes, saltiest gaming in the chase. Like I'm a professional gambler now. Yeah, like, it's totally how I feel. Like yeah. I'm talking to like I called my mom today because I I sent her like the refer your friends on DraftKings code for me, and I was like walking yeah. her through it. You know, like my mom goes to Laughlin. Like she literally was in Laughlin last weekend, and but she and she'll bet on like the Cardinals to win the Super Bowl. She does a lot of future bets, but I was breaking down like how you know what plus one thirty, what minus one thirty means, how to hit the bets, and she's just like. That's fine, John. I'm just going to sign up so you get a hundred bucks. 
I was like, I yeah, love I, you, Mom. I think I got that link sent to me like five times. Yeah. I'm like, sign up, sign up. And you're like, I can't. I'm not verified. Yeah. You don't even care about my vets. You're like, I just want you to give me some more money. <laughs> yeah. Poor Coach Evan B. He's like, I'm in Salt Lake. He can't gamble. Yeah. Arizona, yeah. it's been fantastic. Like, there's yeah. going to be a lot of poor motherfuckers. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, there's a lot more homeless people probably going to be popping up here. Soon, yeah. Right. Yeah. Because careful. we're, we're, very careful. we're literally uh, seeing people just like, lose all their bets left and right and their people are strong out but you know what i can't complain i'll probably be one of them actually like my the next pod won't be me on the strip in las vegas with apple juice and cocaine it'll be me like in a cardboard box in henderson nevada just be yeah. like welcome to the sun's jam session podcast i lost it all man <laughs> <I'm not> selling crabs <laughs> selling, selling crabs. <laughs> crabs in nevada yeah it's really <laughs> not those kind of crabs um uh, you know i think for that one terrible take a lap that's what I thought of Carly when he's <laughs> when Charlie's under the bridge selling those nasty crabs or whatever, yeah. and they go bankrupt. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I think on that note, I think it's time to wrap up this edition of the Sun's Jam Session podcast. So again, if you're watching along live on YouTube, we truly appreciate it. Make sure you hit that thumbs up button while you're here. Subscribe. Hit the bell notification because you never know when we're going to go live. If you are listening to the podcast, again, subscribe. And if you have an opportunity to on Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star review and we'll actually read it right here on the podcast. Uh, until next time, I'm John. You can follow me at Darth Voida. He's Matthew. You can follow him. I'm Matthew Lissy. And you can follow the show at Sons Jam. Matthew, anything else you want to impart upon the Jamsters before we depart this evening? Go home and bet on your family. <laughs> bet on your family. <laughs> <laughs> Always take Still the home. over. Always take the over. Life's too short to bet the under. Cheers. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.